Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Anything else? I have nothing to hide. For me, maybe. But have you told the girl the truth? That witches obtain children so they can feed them with magic herbs. The few who survive become witches themselves. All human feelings and reactions are trained out of them. They are turned into monsters to kill other monsters. That's not going to happen to her. But it happened to you. For better or worse, she's with you now. How does she feel about it? Oh, the look of a man who's worried he's lost his touch. (laughs) The look of a man who's wondering why his old friend is cheating. That's season two of The Witcher. All episodes of that are now streaming on Netflix. James Dempsey uh, joins us once again. I think season one was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, really, really big for Netflix. I mean, they don't often, I mean, they don't really deliver on on viewership figures, but it was one that they renewed a month before uh, the first season debuted, which is unusual. They usually renew about a week after it has Mm. debuted. And uh, they have told us that it did gangbusters uh, figures for them and was hugely, hugely popular all over the world. Um, And I don't know why. (laughs) 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 Um, So I will say I I have watched all eight episodes. I watched season one and uh, season one was sort of unusual. It had this very Byzantine plot where uh, there was a split timeline and that wasn't immediately clear. Uh, There was sort of like, you know, that was its own sort of device when the audience realised that they weren't watching contemporaneous timelines Mm. and it had this very convoluted but uh, convoluted plot but it was driven I would say mostly by Anya Shalotra who plays Yennefer was like the totally stole the first season Um, and it ended I guess uh, 2019 and it has taken two years for for this or more than a year anyway for this one to come back because they were interrupted by COVID twice on sets, two different outbreaks on set. I think it's it's filmed in Hungary. And this one has come and it is about the Witcher, the titular Witcher. He's played by Henry Cavill, who um, <laughs> I, I personally think he is, look, he's, he's physically perfect for this role, right? He is yeah. big, muscular man. Um, he is acting chops wise, probably good enough to play it in the computer game but he is just not uh, a good actor <laughs> I, per- I I think he is utterly charmless to watch mm. and he brings nothing to the role beyond his physicality which is impressive and he, he does all his own stunts and he's good at the fighting but it's kind of funny, like in some ways, uh, his, his character, G- Gerald Geralt of Rivia, is um, it provides a lot of the comic relief. You know, he does. He, he's supposed to throw out these one liners, but his tone is just this monotone, gruff voice. And right, yeah. it does absolutely nothing for me. The and his thing, job is like to hunt down witches. Yeah. Is, that, is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's set in this, uh, you know, deep fantasy world. There's a, a subplot involving uh, mages, these witches who are... <laughs> 
kind of a mixture between CSI, uh, like CSI Rivia and um, and and like librarianship and historian historical work. And then there's a princess named Siri who's from the city of Sintra, which falls in the first season, I think in the first episode. And um, she's on the run and she has been, uh, she's got a, a, a past that involves Geralt and they are intertwined. And where the first season, where we begin, sorry, the second season, they have met the pair of them. And Yennefer, who was, you know, the, the kind of the breakout character of season one, who's this witch, uh, she has lost her powers is where we find her. And for me, the biggest issue I have with it is it's only eight episodes long. But even the first episode is a bottle episode. We have Gerald and uh, and Siri holed up in this house talking to this kind of minotaur esque monster. And I will say the the creature design, the a lot of the um, a lot of the special effects are done with like prosthetics and practical effects, mm. and they're really 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 impressive. But I. The the budget for contact lenses in this is must be astronomical, and they have put almost every single character is wearing like the eyes plucked from a teddy bear in the nineteen eighties, and I find them incredibly distracting to watch. Okay, yeah, but it, that is my personal grievance, and if I have infect any of the listeners with that, I am sorry to do it. But anyway, the whole problem with with me for the show is. Um, it's never quite good enough. It's not good enough to give up on, or it's not bad enough to give to give up on. But it's really not good enough to enjoy. The characterization is fairly straightforward. The monsters are, you know, the battles between the, with the monsters are not interesting to watch at or to watch. They're not. There's nothing new or or exciting in the action that takes place. The storyline, um, in as much in as much as it has developed in this season, is minimal. Uh, we learn a few things about people. Some of the action is relocated to the Witcher's stronghold, so we meet some of the other Witchers. We learn a little bit about Witcher lore, but on the whole, uh, it you know it all leads up to this sort of big, big, big revelation in the eighth and final final episode of the season, where someone where someone is revealed, and I will say. <laughs> You know, it, it took me sort of almost the entire episode to realise they were building up to this reveal. And then when it was revealed, I was like, oh, right, OK. I knew that in episode No, I, I actually didn't oh, know. OK. But I didn't care <laughs> is more the greater <laughs> issue. And I was, uh, you know, we watched it as a household of two. And my other half was like, well, it's just not for you. And I was like, yeah, you're dead right. It's not for me. And he was like, oh, but, I, you know, you could see it was very well signposted who this was going to be. And I was like, well, how did you figure it out? And he said, because I played the game. So he yes. actually, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he knew. Oh, so it's very faithful to the <laughs> yeah. game then. Uh, the, uh, and like the, the, the Henry Cavill's character, does he have any skin in this game in the sense of, does he have a backstory? Was his mother a witch and he's trying to keep it quiet or so, anything like that? Uh, so there's lots of detailed backstories going on. And in fact, uh, when the season ends, it ends with this trailer for a, a whole new spinoff. I, 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 like it's something, it's like Witcher something blood, I I can't remember what it is. Okay. And certainly The Witcher, you know, Netflix is 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 putting money into this, right? The production is big, the sets are big, the special effects are big, the costumes are big, the contact lenses are plentiful. But they've also they've already had one animated it's called Blood Origin. Thank you very much. Yeah. They've had one um animated spin-off series already. And they're now they they are will soon release an entire live action uh, prequel that deals with I think the the origins obviously the blood origins of the Witcher that will 
star Michelle Yeoh, uh, who is going to have a very big uh, 2022 because she's going to be. She's in, in a Star Trek thing as well. She's she? in. Yeah. She's in Star Trek and she's in a new A24 movie where she's playing someone across like a multiverse type thing. Right. She's having a very good. Her agent mm. is doing sterling work, um, but for me, it it, it just. It, it it hasn't hooked me. I don't enjoy it. Like I don't, mm. you know, I, but I, but it's not bad enough to not watch either. It's sort of just, it's content that is there. And I appreciate, obviously, I think I must be in the minority because it has been such a huge, huge hit for Netflix. Sure. But I just find it, you know, I, I would equate it to The Wheel of Time, which is on Amazon at the moment. It's it's good enough, but it's not great. Put it that way. Like, uh, you know, Game of Thrones is what they're all aping for. They are not coming anywhere near it. Yeah. I mean, apart from the, the contact lenses and your obvious <laughs> naked hatred of Henry Cavill, yeah. uh, if one could set those things aside, might it be okay? I, I guess for me, the other issue with this season is the character that was the most interesting in the first one is this is this mage Yennefer, right? Mm. Who's got who's a quarter elven, and she's got a, a, a you know her her backstory is very well explained in the first season, and she has the most growth of anyone, and she's completely and utterly sidelined uh, in this uh, in in an attempt she's trying to get her magic back right that's her whole plot for the season but she's really just sort of moving around the world and um, introducing new characters who are going to be more who I'm led to believe from any research I did are going to become more important down the line but on the whole um, if you're looking for like the magic that she brought you know quite literally and figure you know figuratively and literally in the first season you're not going to find it here the other thing about it is it's one of those kind of like frustrating fantasy worlds where um they're you know they they cross whole uh, they cross like terrain and miles in, within seconds you know everyone is able to catch up with absolutely everybody straight away <laughs> and it's just very frustrating and even like you know even any of the deaths that happen uh, while brutal and bloody and visceral and certainly uh, you know in it <laughs> I, I was probably harsh in saying its action is not that interesting. It's fine. The action is, you know, the, it has good tempo and, and, and is is fine, but it's not maybe particularly balletic or something like that. But, yeah. but um, any of the deaths that come along, you know, for me, it fell a little bit flat and just flat would be really the word I would use to describe the whole season. Flat performance wise, flat plot wise, flat development wise. It just, it never really takes off. And and they abandon the Byzantine plot. It, it's more of a straight linear path this time. A few flashbacks, I suppose, here and there and, and fantasy sequences. But I found myself watching it going, I almost wish I could read the Wikipedia entry of every episode because I, I'm I'm not really following exactly what's going on. And there were a couple of times where the next episode would start and I thought, has Netflix like skipped one because the action has picked up at a very strange place oh. and I don't quite like is this is this is this what's supposed to be happening? Oh right, it is. Okay, so yeah, not a triumph for me. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, uh, Henry Cavill is perfect for everything, says Lucy. She's put everything in in capital letters, so she means writing. Uh, uh, I mean, Cork says. Ah, cheer up, James. It's Christmas. Can't we just watch The Witcher for Henry Cavill's physique? We don't need a storyline. Uh, Peter says The Witcher is brilliant because it's not fast in your face to action. Your critic is reading too much into it. I don't think he's reading anything into it. <laughs> uh, Tommy says You made me kind of want to watch it now in a weird way. And someone on Twitter says The Witcher is absolute shite, but I can't stop watching it, which is pretty largely what you were that saying. That is what I yeah. said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is Steps of Freedom, the history of Irish dance. Uh, you can catch it at uh, 10 past 10 on RT1 on Thursdays or on the RT player. Here's a clip.
We begin to bounce in our mother's wombs. We respond to rhythm and sound and pulse and heartbeat. We leap to our feet as soon as we can. We bobble and wiggle and wobble. You do it because it's in you. You can't really keep it out. Look at the courtship patterns of birds, at the elaborate dancing of animals and mating rituals. Mating, sex, that's all part of it too. Dance is a fundamental human expression. It could be the fundamental human expression before language. It's a way of people coming together and showing community. And there's a sort of form of evolutionary adaptational advantage to people or communities that dance. It means that you're looking after and attending to the, the, the group. We also dance to connect to our soul. We dance because the planets dance. We dance because the earth turns around. We dance because our spirit flies. We cannot not dance. Right, uh, that's uh, steps uh, steps of freedom. Uh, a lot of variety of accents there. So yeah. this isn't just a, I don't want to say parochial because that sounds judgy, but just a, an Ireland-only production. It certainly is not an Ireland-only production. It's a co-production between a couple of players. It involves RTE, it involves the BBC, it involves Arte, which, Arte, which is this, this like Franco-German channel mm. that's very RT and um, a public access television in the US PBS as well so it is like a big international production it's directed by Ruan McGann who um, is a kind of a director, very prolific yes. Irish yeah. uh, filmmaker and documentarian and brother of Mancon McGann mm. the very famous Irish language speaker <laughs> <laughs> and um I really liked it. I've only seen one of the two episodes, but I really, really, really liked it. I thought, first of all, it had just the absolute, it was just so polished and beautiful to look at. All of it was shot beautifully and it was scored beautifully. I'm not sure if that if the music we heard in the clip there was original or not, but some of the original music is by Colin Mack on Umara. Yeah. And it's it, it really, really beautifully just evocative and and exciting and lovely to listen to. And the whole, you know, it it tells the story of Irish dance and in the first episode anyway, it goes back thousands of years. So we learn... I mean, some of it, I suppose, is interpretive history, but a lot of it is uh, based on um, writings in the sort of uh, like 16th to 17th centuries, uh, usually by British observers of Irish culture and writing about the role of dance in Irish society and how, you know, these British writers visiting Ireland would say that the Irish moved in an unusual way and how dance was so much more part of the Irish culture. And then it goes, it makes some interesting points about sort of the comparisons and differences between Irish dance and African dances and even flamenco in some ways and talks about how, you know, Spanish traders would have been sailing both up to Ireland Mm. and also down to Africa and spreading these, uh, you know, potentially spreading dances across the world. And then it goes on and uh, even makes some comparisons to, uh, you know, the role of, I guess, um, kind of indentured slavery and uh, and and slavery, slavery and uh, in the West Indies and Africa and America, sorry, and goes and and but but does draw a very distinct line between the two and, you know, not saying Irish are the first slaves, that kind of tired trope but um, goes on to explain how Irish performers were very commonly 
Irish so when when minstrelry was a thing, yeah. that it was often Irish people who were who were blacking up right. and becoming and, and doing these minstrel performances because the Irish dancing tradition, although we consider it very sort of straight laced at the top, the footwork is quite similar to tap and, and yeah. things. Like that. In fact, it might be a uh, you know. A, it might yes tap is a is spun off from Irish dancing. Anyway, it was all just really, really, really interesting, and the depth of interviews. Uh, it was it was just the right amount of like experts, historians, choreographers, and dancers, and all bringing their own unique take to whatever part of the plot was being told at the time, but just seamlessly woven into each other. Like there's one part where. An Irish dancer, uh, you know, and a, and an African dancer contemporaneously meet in this pub, and they both start dancing, whatever they would be their traditional mm. set, we'll say, and they begin to see immediately sort of similarities in how they're moving and how certain steps mirror each other, and then it goes on to have this very sort of philosophical, anthropological discussion about dance as this universal language and how you know how people communicate with their bodies and where internal rhythm lies, and. It just hooked me, just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it was just a beautiful <laughs> solve to The Witcher, which did not hook me in any way. <laughs> but this I just found really beautiful and so nicely shot and well edited and put together. It was just a hit. Right, OK. Uh, now let's see. <laughs> Did you, were similar feelings prompted in uh, in you by a Jimmy Carr-hosted game show? It's called I Literally Just Told You. Runs on Thursdays at 10pm on Channel 4. Here's a clip. We told you a game show presenter and comedian was caught in a tax evasion scandal in 2012. What is his name? It's that guy. <laughs> What's his name? You have to name. I need quiet in the studio, please. I need his name. Bacon. Richard Bacon. We gave this show a go. Wait, wait, wait. We really tried. Wait, wait, wait. It brought me to my knees. It's these three. The format works. Sorry. It's these three. One of you is going to win money this evening, and that is an injustice. Right, uh, that's I literally just told you. Um, okay. Okay, so the premise basically. That I... clip that was probably. Don't tell me that's the funniest clip in the whole thing. Given that it is Jimmy Carr, that was the answer to the exactly, question. Exactly, Jimmy yes. Carr is the answer. So, I had I, I kind of went in not realizing that it was a, a, a rare, a, a relatively quote unquote straightforward game show. I thought it was a comedy panel show, and mm. I do think in some regards it would work better as a you know like a celebrity comedy panel show than a, a regular quiz. But Jimmy Carr introduces four people who are all sitting on on these high stools. And we they are introduced with a title card and sort of bits of information will fly up, up you know, about them. We, we get a very short bio of who they are and pictures as well. And the whole point of this quiz show is the questions are being written there and then on the fly. So anything that, that is said at any point throughout the hour could later on become a question and win you money down right. the line. And of okay. course... I literally just told you what the answer was. Mm. So um, 
it, it, you know, we we start with the with the four participants. We get the bio. Then they're asked questions about what did you just see on the screen? Like how many pints were being held in a picture? And then they uh, are whittled down into the, into the next round where we then get some more questions about things that have just happened or sort of multiple choice questions given, uh, you know, about, about their understanding of when something took place or how it took place or whatever. And then across the hour, uh, you know, Jimmy's role here is to be the funny man, but also to get them, get the participants talking because there are two kind of, I can't quite remember what their names are, but there are two kind of like Susie Dent style people in the corner taking notes and writing the questions as they go. Okay. And the participants earn money. And the, I think the the maximum prize they could win is £25,000 right at the very end. And ultimately, it all uh, peters towards a finale in which two participants are left and they pick three questions out of a pile to ask each other and whoever gets the best out of three wins the money. And all in, um, it kind of works and doesn't in equal measure. <laughs> For me, uh, as a viewer, you know, I, I, I like game shows. I like general knowledge. I hate watching a game show where the distribution of questions is so uneven because some of them get asked really, really easy ones <laughs> and some of them get asked really, 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 really hard ones. And I hate that kind of like uh, disparity because it's just not fair. Um, but Jimmy Carr is sort of, you know, he like he his evolution from, I mean, he, I'm sure he's still tours stand up, definitely. But his evolution into kind of Channel 4 uh TV personality. He's kind of the Jimmy Tarbuck of Channel 4. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah. good description. And he he does uh, like he does a fine job at this but uh, I think it could all probably have been uh, wrapped up into like one a half hour rather than an hour because it sort of stretches it a little thin at parts. Mm. Um, and there's the kind of slap sticky parts of it where um they pretend they're going to like a commercial break, but they film a sort of, they, you know, they'll bring on a sort of like a little scene, which is just for the participants to be watching so that they can answer questions later on down the line. Is it going to be a classic game show that's going to run for years and years the way that like Countdown does, you know, 8 out of 10 cats or the opposite, mm. if it's the opposite title? No, I don't think it is. But uh, as is diverting something while you're wrapping your presents this Christmas, yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll hit that spot. Uh, yeah, well, of course, the, yeah, that's the holy grail if you come up with that game show format that you can then sell to a gazillion other uh, at broadcasts around the world. Jamie says, this sounds like the most convoluted game show ever. Oh no, Jamie, it's not the most convoluted ever. <laughs> I have personal experience of that. Uh, and uh, so just referring back to the uh, documentary about the history of Irish dancing, uh, one text was the fellow who said in the clip, you can't not dance, never met my husband. <laughs> James, thanks Miriam, for coming in and uh, happy Christmas to you. Uh, to you. Uh, James Dempsey there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on Newstalk. We're going to take a break. Moncrief on Newstalk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.